We're in the midst of a series looking at how to be grateful and not take things for granted. This message here, I am so excited about for this reason. I believe what we find in the word of God today is, is the key on how we continue to have a grateful heart in our lives. And, and all of us run the, the risk of taking things um, for granted, right? We, 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 you know, I don't know about you, but I've been watching the whole uh, hurricane coverage. I, I kind of geek out over that stuff. I love weather. So I'll just watch it. And Kathy's like, are you watching that again? I go, it's just neat how things happen and hurricanes form and, you know, and, and we need to continue to pray for the, the Southeast, for the recovering and, and specifically pray for the country of, of, of Haiti um, uh, and, and, and the devastation, the lives that were lost on that, on that, on that island. And um, so just make sure we can, you continue to pray for, uh, for Haiti. We support a ministry called Convoy of Hope. That's a disaster relief agency that is on the ground right now helping uh, the disaster relief there. Uh, when you give and give to missions, part of your money that you give goes to the Convoy of Hope, and we support them in the disaster relief. I worked with Convoy of Hope uh, and went down to Haiti and saw the ministry that they have there, and it's incredible. And so continue to pray for that and, and for the island of Haiti. And as I've been watching this, it's so, you know, you watch the devastation, and and one moment things are there, and the next moment they're gone. It's easy to, you know, when you, it's easy for our hearts just to, just to gravitate into this, things will always remain the same. And then what we end up doing is we, we, we take things for granted and we allow things to become common until something shakes that. And it was back in the summertime that I was just, it was in a worship service and I was just worshiping the Lord and just God just laid this thing on my heart. And, and it was just basically, what is the center of my life? Is, is the heart of, of thankfulness truly the center of, of my life or, or is the heart of ingratitude truly the, the center of my life? And, and as a follower of Jesus, I, I want to, I know we're supposed to have that thankful heart and I know we're not supposed to take things for granted, but how many of us know it's easy to morph back into that? And, and when something goes wrong and doesn't go our way, it, it reveals the trueness of our heart or what we're clinging on to. And if things don't go our way and we get easily agitated and ir- irritated and I don't have that, that heart of, of thankfulness, it will reveal itself when things don't go my way in my life. And there is a passage that we're going to jump into today that there was a church that Paul speaks about that had this amazing heart of generosity in the midst of severe poverty. And it's amazing what Paul brings out about this church. And, and, and here's the point I want to make. If, 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 if you're looking at your notes there, I, I love this point um, because there's something that this church did well, that they understood about not taking things for, for granted. And, and here's, here's, I think, what we can learn. Just listen to this statement. Because this church was so generous. And here's, I, here's what I believe is the key to keep us from becoming ungrateful and making things common and losing perspective of what God has done for us. Here's, here's the statement. A, a generous heart guards us from making things common or taking things for granted. A generous heart. How many know that God is a giving God? For God so loved the world that he did what? 
gate. God pours out his grace, pours out his blessings on us over and over and over and over and over again, doesn't he? Okay, just making sure you guys are awake. I'm giving you guys an extra half an hour to sleep in, okay? Nine o'clock people now, right? And so God poured, and I, and I think it's easy to lose perspective of God's blessings in our life. But this church that we're going to look at, that the scriptures speak to, understood how grateful they were. They understood the generosity of God. And, and they did these, it, it overflowed from their heart. And Paul just took notice of this church and so what Paul does is he, he writes to the Corinthians, and we're going to look in the, the book of 2 Corinthians. I know your notes say 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, but it's supposed to be 2 Corinthians. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 9. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. You can look at the Bibles in your seats, page 628. You can follow along with us there. 2 Corinthians, I apologize about your notes for being wrong there, but it's 2 Corinthians, my fault. Um, Everybody say, I forgive you, Pastor. Okay, especially you guys that are, that are picky about the notes and all the spelling, okay? So thank you for your grace. I appreciate that. Pastor, we're thankful for notes. Everybody say it to me. We're thankful for notes. Okay, good, okay. All right, so let's look at 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and, and here's a church that was just grateful when... When everything on the outside, look at this church, they shouldn't have been grateful, but there was something different about their lives. And so what Paul does is he encourages generosity to the Corinthians who were blessed and did have financial means. And Paul's saying, listen, Corinthian church, take this example from the churches in Macedonia because they get it. They understand what generosity is all about. And I want to use this example not to shame you, not to guilt you, but to teach you, to allow you to understand that what God has poured out into you and the great salvation that he's poured out you has to overflow in the way that you give. So let's, let, let's, let's look at this. He says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Do you realize that grace is a gift that God gives us? It's this, it's, it's this overwhelming gift of gratitude and thankfulness and joy that God gives. And he's saying that, that God gave this grace to the Macedonian churches. Verse 2, out of the most severe trial, they're overflowing, what's the word there? Joy. And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Which Paul says, I didn't even ask them to give because I knew the trials they were going through. So what Paul is saying is there was a church in Jerusalem that were hurting. They were under persecution. And so Paul was calling out to the churches to say, hey, help this church in Jerusalem. And he was pleading with the, the Corinthian church to do that because they had means to be able to do that. He wasn't even asking the Macedonian church. But once they heard about it, they said, hey, hey, Paul, we want to give. How can we help? What a great church. I mean, what, what, a, what a wonderful heart that they had. And so, verse 4, Paul says, They urgently pleaded with us 
for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They didn't see it as an obligation or something they had to do. They saw it as a privilege to give. Verse five. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us, keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also completion this act of grace on your part. He says, just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. He calls giving this grace of giving. We're going to explain that further. He goes, I'm not commanding you. So he doesn't want to guilt them into it, but he says, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, for the sake of Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Now, I absolutely love this section of scripture because what Paul does, he outlines for us what correct priorities look like. The Macedonian churches displayed what true generosity looks like. They, they gave to the need of, of a hurting church that they didn't even personally know. But when they heard about the need, they wanted to give. And so Paul witnesses something in the Macedonian churches that, that caused them to give when they didn't have to. What caused them to, to give or to be generous? What was at the root of, of their giving? Because they weren't pressured into it. They weren't guilted into it. They gave out of this, out of this willingness to want to do it. So I want to give you four things here this morning of, of what set this church apart and, and, and what allowed them to give out of their heart and out of this ability and out of this extreme generosity, even in the midst of their poverty. Let's look at the first one here. What's the first thing that Paul says is, He says, they gave out of grace. They gave out of grace. Now, this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus gave everything for us. And if I've received God's grace and mercy and the forgiveness of my sins, I can no longer live for myself. So what they did is they gave out of this grace. They understood that they weren't living for themselves any longer. They were living for the Lord. And I think this was the thing that was special at the Macedonian churches is that they were always ready to give. Here, I want you to understand something. An open heart, here's what they had, an open heart is an open life which leads to open hands. Write that down. An open heart is an open life which leads to what? An open hand. Open heart, open life, open hand. God is pleased when he can work through me. God is pleased when he can work through me. Let's say it together. God is pleased when he can work through me. He wants to flow through your life. It doesn't stop with me. I'm a channel by which God can work through, not a reservoir where it stops with me. You know, here's the thing. We can be stagnant like a pond. There's a pond that I drive by on Ridge Road, and it's got all this green scum on the top of it. And here's the reason why, because it's not flowing. It's stagnant. 
And so what happens is the stuff forms on the top and, and it just, it, it, it looks nasty. You, don't, you wouldn't want to swim in it, right? It, I'd probably still fish in it, but you wouldn't want to swim in it, right? Um, but you look at a, 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 a creek that's flowing and it's clear and the water keeps moving because it's, it's taking in, it's taking out, it's taking in, it's taking out. It's not just taking in, taking in, taking in. And I think what happens is in our life, if we're not careful, if we keep taking in, taking in, taking in, and we're not giving out, we become stagnant like a farm pond. We have to be careful. God, as your blessings flow into my life, allow me to see that I need to be a channel of your blessings, that it flows in and then it flows out to other people. I want a heart that willingly gives him, not out of guilt or pressure, but out of grace. For the grace you've poured into me, I want that grace to pour out to others. They didn't need to be pressured in this fact because they asked to give. The grace of God that flowed through them and to others was seen by their giving, especially to this church that they did not even know. So how do I give out of grace? What does that mean? What is grace giving? Grace giving is this. Grace giving is understanding the grace that was poured out on me that I didn't deserve. God pours his grace out by giving me something that I don't deserve, which was his salvation. Every single one of us were objects of God's wrath. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. There's no way in our goodness or in our so-called holiness or righteousness could we ever make ourselves right before God. And what God does is by his grace, he sends his son as a substitute for you and I to die in our place, his substitutionary death, to give his life for you and I, that by our faith in Christ Jesus... And understand that it's only through this faith and this repentance that I understand that I can be made right before God. That's God's grace. I didn't earn it, merit it, or deserve it. That's grace. We all deserve death and eternal damnation. But through Christ Jesus, we can find life. That's how good God is to us. So how do I give out of grace? Three things real quick. Here's how they gave out of grace. This is how Paul knew that their, that their, their giving was grace giving. Three things real quick. Write them down if you're taking notes real quick. Ready? First of all, their gift was not self-serving. Their gift was not self-serving, which means they didn't give to serve themselves or to make themselves look better. This gift was completely out of grace, beyond themselves, so it wasn't self-serving, right? How many times when we give to somebody, sometimes it's a little more self-serving than it is just out of grace? Okay, so, so check number one, grace giving is, is not self-serving. Check number two, are you ready? They weren't expecting anything back. Grace giving gives without never expecting anything back. They just gave. They didn't say, hey, we'll give, but it's on loan, right? We'll, we'll do this for you. If you do this for us, right? Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody and they're like, oh, great. I'm going to have to do something for them now, probably. Sometime that's going to have to come up, right? Right? And, and it overshadows your head because something does something for you. And if it's not done out of grace or just out of a gift, then we got to expect something back in return for that. That's how the world works, right? But see, grace giving, check number two, is doesn't expect anything back. And number three Here's grace giving. Here's another check for grace giving. They didn't do it to get noticed. 
They weren't doing it for themselves. They didn't do it for their own accolades or to get noticed. They wanted to do it because out of God's grace for them, they saw this need and they, and they said, we have to do this. We, we want to do this. It's our privilege to do this, not to get noticed, not to be self-serving, not to get something back. We want to do this. So true grace giving is, is not self-serving, not expecting something back, and it's not to be noticed. So they gave out of God's grace. It was grace giving. God loves grace giving people. And I'm telling you, when you give out of grace, it's going to give you a lot of joy, right? When you can give and nobody knows, you're like, God, I'm doing it for you. I just want to do it for you. Not to get noticed, not to get to act like, God, I just want to give to you because I love you for what you've done for me. Man, that's going to fill your heart with so much joy because of what God's doing. What's the second thing they did? The second thing Paul says they did is they, they gave first to God. Paul says they gave first to God. They, were, they, they weren't thinking about themselves first. They were thinking about God and what God wanted to do in their situation. Now, now when we think about money and the way we spend money, it usually goes this way. Um, and so let me explain this to you because this is how we normally think about money and the money we, re- we receive. So let me give you five things real quick on how we look at money and how we spend money and how we use our money. Okay, number one, we spend money right? We love to spend money, right? So we spend money, right? Number two, we, we pay debt. We have debt, we have to pay debt. Number three, we pay taxes. That's fun, isn't it? Right? So you got to pay our taxes, right? Or you're not going to be living in your house very long. You got to pay taxes. Uh, and then number four, we save. We try to save our money, you know? For most of us, don't do a good job at that, but we try to save our money. And then number five is we give money. This is where we, we may give things away, gifts away, and so on and so forth. But if you look at these five, number one, when I spend money, it's about me. Number two, when I pay debt, it's about me. Number three, when I pay taxes, it's about me or we. We all have to do that. Number four, when I save, it's about me. And number five, when I give, it's actually about God and others. Now, let me say this. Most of us live our lives in this order. We just do. Now, this is not to make anyone feel uh, guilty or I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone here. And, and I don't think we purposely want to put God last. Um, but I believe this is just how we live. And I believe what happens is there's, there's a disconnect in understanding what Christ has done for us and the things that we accumulate in our life. And I think the Macedonian church understood about giving first to God. See, the point that Paul is making about the Macedonian church is that they were thinking about God first, placing him first in their life, which welled up in this rich generosity in their heart. He wasn't putting down the Corinthian church. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to put them on a guilt trip because how many know that lasts for about a week and then we go right back to our same ways? So if we're guilted into something, it doesn't stick. It doesn't last. But if we understand about God's grace and what he did for us, that's going to last. That's going to change my heart. How many know that guilt 
And condemnation may last while because there's something in my mind, okay, I feel guilty, I've got to do this. But when when God grabs your heart and changes your heart, then your life begins to change. And this is what happened for the Macedonian church. See, I want my way of thinking to be this. God, I want you to have the first of my week. I want to come to church. I want to worship you with other God, with, with, with the people of God. God, I, I, I want you to have the first of my day. I, when I wake up, I want to think about you. Whether it's reading your scriptures, praying. God, I, I want to think about you. I want to put my thoughts on you. I want my focus in my mind to be on your word. I want you to have the first of my finances. God, when I give to you, I don't want it to be number five, six, seven, or eight. When I give to you, I say, God, here, here's, here is my increase. Here is what you've blessed me with. And what I, do, what I want to do is I want the first of my increase to be given unto you. That's the biblical pattern. Because what you're doing is you're recognizing that God is first in your life. First of my week. First of my day. First of the increase of my income, God. I want, that to, I want to recognize that you've been so good to me. And I want to reprioritize my life to allow you to be first. That's what the Macedonian church realized. That they first gave to God, Paul says. And here's the, here's the third thing Paul says. You know, not, not only did they give out of grace and they gave first to the Lord. But here's the other thing. They gave out of joy. They were happy to do it. Right? See, Paul shares that the Macedonians not only gave, but it was in the way they gave. Here's the kicker. It's not, how many know, it's not just giving. How many know we can give, but we can give grudgingly, right? How many times that you're in the store and they always ask you, would you like to give to so-and-so, right? And you're like, oh man, another, you know, and you got people behind you like, man, if I don't give a dollar, I'm going to look cheap, cheapo, Right? You know, oh man, they asked me to give to this thing, right? And you're like, okay, you know, all right. So 40 times I've been asked this week, okay, right? I'll give to this thing, right? And, and here's what, here's what, um, here's, here's, here's what he's saying. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not the giving is, is, is this giving out of drudgery. But he's saying what they did was they saw the work of the Lord. They saw what was before them. They saw the need in the church and they gave out of joy. It was like they wanted to give. And so Paul shares that the Macedonians not only gave, but they gave, it was in the way they gave. In fact, verse 2 says, here's what verse 2 says. It says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. See, Paul addresses with us the way they gave, which is the most important because it revealed the heart and the motives because they gave with joy. Paul in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians says this about the right way to give because this is so important. How many know that God doesn't need your money? I think God's doing okay, right? Here's the thing. The reason why we give is so that God can grab our heart. And so in the next chapter... 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, this is what Paul says. Here's the right way to give, and this is why the Macedonians got it. He said this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to do what? Share with others. In fact, the word translated cheerful in most English Bibles literally means the word hilarious. God wants you to be a hilarious giver. So the next time we take the offering, just start giggling, just start laughing. God, ha ha! Woo! I get to give today! Imagine if that happened, people would start running out of the back of the church. This church is nuts. We are nuts, but for different reasons. Um, that, it's, it's, it's my joy to give to this thing. <laughs> Can you imagine being at Wegmans or Tops and saying, hey, do you want to give to this thing? Yeah, I do! Thank you for asking! I've been just waiting. Can you imagine the people in line? Just do it. Just do it for me. And let me know how it goes, because I'm not going to do it, but you do it, and let me know how it goes. Because I think that would be hilarious. Oh. See, I love the, I love the word that Paul used, cause, because he uses the word privilege. They saw it as a privilege to, to give, which basically means they were saying, I get to give. We, we, we want to give. And this is what a hilarious giver remembers. This is what's always in the back of their mind. And Paul points this out. He, sa- he says, remember that Jesus, even though he was infinitely rich, yet for your sake became poor, laying aside heaven and coming to earth to give himself for me. In his poverty, he allowed us to become rich. What a good savior. What a good God. And so my response to giving is, is not just to give, but to do it with joy. Because if we do it reluctantly, then it reveals our heart. And that's not what God wants. God wants this hilarious giver. And here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. Here's the last thing. And I, I love this. And this is kind of what I want to hit on this point. Um, th- there was a quote I read from this book called The Giving Church. And it says this. I love this, this, this point. It says, because what they did was, is, is that not only they gave, but they gave out of their poverty. Here, here's the kicker. You know, they, here, here they're given out of God's grace. They gave to God first. They gave out of joy. But here's the kicker. Here, here, here's where the rubber meets the road. They gave out of their poverty. See, when we give out of our, out of our wealth, not much of a sacrifice. But they gave out of their poverty. I love this quote by the giving church. It says this, true generosity is not measured by the size of the gift, but by the spirit of the giver. True generosity is not measured by the size of the gift, but by the spirit of the giver. You see, the richest generosity often comes out of the deepest poverty. What do I mean by that? Am I, am I just speaking physical means, how much money I have in the bank? No, here's, here's what I'm talking about. When I, be, when I understand, I realize that I'm bankrupt before God, spiritually. Every single one of us are poverty-stricken poverty before God spiritually. We are bankrupt before God. And I have to remind myself that I don't deserve a thing. 
And it's when I realize that, that God pours his grace out on me. Now, the, the Macedonian church got this. They realized that they didn't deserve or merit their grace. They didn't say, oh, we're poor and we don't have a lot. And look at us. Aren't we wonderful? I think there's something deeper that Paul is driving at here. They gave out of their poverty. But what they realized is that God's grace is the thing that saved them. That every single one of us are poverty stricken spiritually. And, and, and here's the thing. It comes out of that heart that, that, that when I become boastful and prideful in what I have, and if I'm saying, oh, I'm going to give, but it really doesn't cost me anything, there's a problem with my heart. There's a problem in the way I give. There's a problem in the generosity that I give. The Bible says, too much is given, much is required. See, see God, God doesn't increase our you know, our, our, our means so that we can necessarily increase our standard of living. But I think a lot of times we have to look at it this way. God, you've increased my means so you can increase my standard of giving. Just have that in the back of your mind. God, next year, what's your plan? God, I want to give more next year. I, I want to do more for you. Each year, challenge yourself. God, how can, how can we do more in this particular situation? Or how can you help me to give in this particular situation? I believe the best example is found in Mark chapter 12. I mean, I'm going to read this for you because Jesus is with his disciples. And, and Jesus sees this act of generosity and sacrificial giving. And the way he witnessed someone giving money to the temple treasury. Let me read it to you. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where offerings were put. And watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him. So they're all there and they're watching this. He's called, he called his disciples around him. He says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the other people. And here's, here, here's the clincher. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So let me break this down for you. Here's what Jesus says. He takes his disciples into a room where people would bring their money in to give to the temple. And, 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 and they were required to do this, to, to, to pay their tithes, to pay their money into the temple uh, treasury. And what, what we see here is you can see, you could literally know how much people gave and how generous they were. Now, how, how did they know that? Because the Bible tells us that many rich people put it in a very large amount. Now, was there a, a money counter there and then the amount would go up on a screen so everybody could see? So when they're in the room, they're like, whoa, look how much they gave, right? Was that conventional? We did that on Sunday morning. No, I'm just teasing. We've never... Um, that there was, they, they knew how much they gave. So people could see how much others were actually giving. So how did they know? How did Jesus know how much the, the widow, the poor widow put in? Now understand in these times, uh, there was no paper currency. Everything was done in coins. It's just the opposite today. Um, 
you know, how many of you, you still carry change, right? Or you carry cash. You know, we, we just pay a lot with credit card or debit cards. And how many of you, when you pay cash, I, I'm just like the type of person that just doesn't like to get change back. You know what I mean? Just get all that change. And some of you are good with it. And you got to count it. And you got to, right? So just save it for VBS next year and just give it all to the kids next year. Okay? So you have change. Just save it for next year for VBS. And, and, and so it was different from today. It wasn't, it wasn't paper currency. And, and so uh, in the time of Jesus, you would have different coins. Basically, you would have gold, silver, bronze, and copper. And every single one of them had a different value. And so what they would do is they would come into the, uh, the treasury, which would be in the court of the women in the temple. And basically what you would have is you would have these huge brazen containers, which looked like trumpets. And there was 13 of these that they could give to you, each marked with a different way, uh, a purpose of giving. And so you'd walk in and you'd see these 13 huge brazen containers that looked like trumpets and people would walk in. You could watch people give as they, as they, put, their, um, as they put their money. And so I want, I want to give you an idea of how this looked. I did not have a brazen container, but I had this. It's the only thing I could find in my house on how to do this. So I want to give you a picture on how to do this. Nice glass jar. So people would come in and basically they would bring their money in. And so what Jesus was doing, he's sitting there with his disciples, he's watching them. And people would come in and they'd have their coins, okay? And they would come in and they would drop it in. Now this, depending on what kind of currency they're giving, gold, silver, when they would drop it in, this, this, this sound maybe $1,000. That might be $1,000 right there, depending on what, what kind of coins they're dropping. That may be a lot more. Now, when Jesus sits back, he's watching this widow come in, and what does she have? She has these two little teeny copper coins Basically, they were worth about a fourth of a penny. Not a whole lot of money. So Jesus sits back. He watches this widow come up. She gets out, you know, she gets out her, 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 her change purse and she pulls out her two copper coins, basically all she has, and she drops it in. And it sounds like this. That's it. And then, and then what Jesus does is he looks, at, he looks at his disciples and he says this. He says, I'm not impressed with what all the other people gave and all the big amounts that the other people gave. Here's, here's why I'm impressed. Jesus uses her example to make a point to teach a valuable lesson about what God cares about. See, here's the difference Jesus said. The difference is, that those that were wealthy gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave all she had. She gave sacrificially unto the Lord. See, her sacrificial giving was not proven by what she put in, but by what she had left. Are you hearing me? She gave it all. It, it, her giving was not proven by what she put in, but by what she had left. She gave everything she had. 
Now, let me, let, me, let me drop this down spiritually for every one of us to understand. Are you saying, okay, do I have to drain my bank account to prove to God that I... Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Listen, 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 listen. Have you surrendered everything to Christ? See, here's what the Macedonian church did. The Macedonian church surrendered everything to Christ. And the example that they surrendered everything to Christ was shown in the bankruptcy of themselves spiritually that they needed God's grace and that they received God's grace because once they received God's grace, what Paul said is the way they lived their life now was this overwhelming sense of generosity to live that out before other people, not to be a show off, not to say, look at me, but to say, look at the grace that God has bestowed upon me and I've got to be a giver now. I've got to give. I've got to give. God, you own everything. God, you're Lord of my life. And when you understand that overwhelming sense of grace that God poured out in your life, it's going to be seen in your generosity in the way you give. It's not in the amount. It's in the way we give. Are we giving with a sense of bankruptcy? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are we giving with a sense of poverty that, God, I don't deserve anything, but out of joy, I just want to give to you and I want to give to others because of what you've done for me. I, I want to give because it's a privilege, not because it's an obligation. I want to give because it's, it's joy to give because of what you did for me. It's a change of our heart. When I was uh, 17 years old, I hit, we gave the church I was going to as a teenager, we... Um, we did Thanksgiving baskets like we do here. And the church I went to is in the city, in the inner city of Rochester. And um, I had a friend of mine, and we had to deliver these um, Thanksgiving baskets to people in the city. And I always remember there's this one elderly lady, I will never forget her image and her faith is just embedded in my mind forever. And I remember we were, we were in the inner city of Rochester and we're handing out these, you know, we're handing out these Thanksgiving meals, big baskets of food and so on and so forth. And many people were very thankful, but this, this one woman was different. We knock on her door and she opens the door and she says this, she did not know we were coming. We, we just got a list of people that needed these gifts and we just showed up. So it wasn't like they knew we were coming. We just got a list from the city and these are the people that really need things and just go to their doors. Some people were there, some weren't, but we were just giving out this food. And she opens the door and she says this, she goes, I knew you were coming. We're like, how do you, what? She goes, I knew you were coming. And she was so thankful. She goes, I was praying that God would meet our needs. Now we walked into her house. She had blankets over the doorway of her kitchen. Because it was in the, it was the, you know, it was in November. It was cold out. She had everything blocked up. And what we did was she was, oh, 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 boys, you can come and, and take the food into the kitchen. And so we get into the kitchen. We, we, you know, the doorways, all the entryways are all blocked with blankets. And we get into the kitchen. There's a cot in the kitchen. She goes, oh, I have to live here because I can't turn the heat on. It's too expensive. And I live here and I turn the stove on. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, um. She was, I was praying that God would meet my needs for someone to come and bring food to my door. Here's the thing about this woman, this elderly woman. She lived by there by herself. She was, I'm so thankful you came. And she looked at us and she goes, please sit at the table. We go, no, we don't want it. She goes, no, 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 sit. 
sit, sit, sit. And we sat at her table and she made us coffee. She had this cake that she made and she just served us. This woman had a heart that was unbelievable for God. She was, God has been so good to me. He always takes care of me. I'm so thankful that you guys came. She didn't feel like she earned it, deserved it, merited it. She had a heart for Christ that blessed me and the way she lived it out. She was thankful and generous in the midst of her poverty. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Until we get to the point where we understand that I am completely bankrupt without you, Jesus, you will never experience the fullness of his grace. To get to the point to where you can serve God joyfully and give graciously and give generosity Give, give through generosity and give hilariously because when you get to that point, you understand the grace by which you were saved. This woman understood the grace by which she was saved. That's what I want. That's what I want for my selfish heart. That's what I want. I want that joy. And some of you, you're just lacking that joy in your heart. You're lacking that joy in your life. And maybe this is the reason why there may be a disconnect in your generosity and understanding what Christ did for you. So I want to challenge you today. Where's my heart, Jesus? Am I bankrupt before you? Do I really understand your grace by which you saved me and the lengths that you went to? Bow your heart before Christ. Become bankrupt before him. Let him fill you with his grace and let him give you the joy that you need to experience. And then do this. Become a generous giver. Look for ways to be generous to others out of the grace that's been poured out into your life. Amen? Man, let's be hilarious. Let's be contagious. Let's be generous in the way we give because of what Christ did for us. Let's be those people and just say, you know what? Just bless people. Bless them. Just say, you know what? I just want to bless you today. God's blessed me. I just want to bless you today. God bless you. Just bless people. Are we not blessed? Are we not blessed? We are. God is so good. So Lord, I just pray today. You oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. God, let us realize we're bankrupt without you. Let us give everything to you. God, thank you for the example of the Macedonian church that even in their poverty, it wasn't, God, they didn't boast even in their poverty. God, they, they boasted in you and what you did for them, God. And out of them just welled up this grace of generous giving. God, I pray for every person here as we bow our hearts before you, that you would fix us, Jesus. <laughs> fix our brokenness. Fix our selfishness. Fix, fix our way that I've got to have everything go my way. Break us to that today, God. That we might know you. 
that through knowing you and being broken before you and being bankrupt before you, you're going to pour out your grace in us that we might experience your joy and it's going to change our lives. It's going to make us be more generous and giving and thankful for what you did to, to overcome ungratefulness in our hearts. So thank you today. Challenge us today, God. We love you. As we just come before you today, as we close in song today, God, may our worship just rise up to you today. And our thankfulness rise up to you today for what you've done for us in your son, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We encourage you. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.